Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with my old friend, Brian Sador, the practice lead of Centric's Innovation Lab. We'll be capturing what's going on new in the Innovation Lab these days, as well as some ideas about the uh, currently popular idea of the virtual water cooler. So uh, let's jump right in. Thanks for joining us. Brian, how are things going in the Innovation Lab? Things are going pretty well. We're finding that we have a number of individuals that have a lot of interest, but a number of other individuals also struggle to find how to best engage. Oftentimes, it's as simple as just get started, but mm -hmm. even that simple advice is hard to execute against. And, and that's, a, that's probably the vexing challenge across industry, right, is uh, people have ideas, people want to drive ahead and have some passion behind something, but they're not exactly sure how to get going. So um, what we're trying okay. to do is uh, unlock some of that that challenge and, and invite individuals to just get started. And that's different for someone that is a deep technologist and can actually build something versus someone that um, has a terrific idea based on market observations. So, okay. you know, it's not a uniform answer. Uh, just get started as to how that kind of manifests. All right. So not being a current technologist, let's say I had some brilliant idea and I went, Hey Brian, I've got an I've got a great idea. What do I do with it? How can I how can I find people to help me make it real? Yeah, that work? I think what we believe in and, and what we're trying to bring to life is the fact that if you if you make it visible, mm -hmm. then um, you have the opportunity. You invite the opportunity for people to to um, understand and engage with you. You know, by making it visible with the the way that we do that is through our virtual lab, which essentially is a a uh, repository of ideas and other elements to provide that digital engagement, you can potentially have that opportunity come to life. So, you know, the, the key that we all know is collaboration and engagement and, and driving, you know, the human elements is critically important for, for the new or for something that's emerging. But, you know, if it's in your head, or if it's if it's not articulated, even at the basic level, it doesn't have to be right. perfect. But you you know, throw it out there, and and you, what you'll find is that people will have questions. Well, well, what do you mean by you know this opportunity? Mm -hmm. Well, how do you, how do you define this other thing, or have you thought of this? And and even that is critically important. You know, I don't know if you've ever. I'm sure, actually, I know you have uh, had someone else look at your work to edit it. You know, right. that's a key concept in uh, agile delivery. Sometimes pair programming, right. and once somebody else takes a look at it. They, they have, even if it's just slightly uh, adjacent yeah. to your perspective, they'll invite something that you maybe hadn't thought of. So for right. innovation, it's critically important to invite that collaboration, and it starts with ideally being visible. Right, All right. So, uh, you know, we've talked several times about the uh, Innovation Lab at Centric, and, you know, there's a question I think I've never asked you, which is, can you tell us about one of your, one of the best success stories going through the Innovation Lab? Sure. It would be it would be terrible if I didn't have an answer to this one. So I'm glad that I do. What comes to mind is a journey uh, that that traversed the Innovation Lab and is continuing to to be something that Centric is engaging upon, focused on healthcare. And it was a bit of a mix whereby we have very passionate healthcare industry uh, experts mm -hmm. that focus on patient experience, on provider experience, on trying to make the marketplace a better place for, you know, the delivery of healthcare. And with that, that passion, you know, finds its way, you know, from network in uh, from those leaders, as well as from, you know, thought leadership out. The, the problem to be solved, if you will, or the challenge 
was focused on pain management uh, as you know, one of our, our healthcare leads, Marcy, uh, who's an MD and emergency physician, recognized the challenge for pain management and wanted to explore whether or not virtual reality, and I, I might get this slightly wrong, so don't quote me on this, but whether right. or not virtual reality could serve as distraction therapy and have physiological impacts to the patient community that could be measured. You know, with cool. the world that we uh-huh. live in now, there are plenty of virtual reality experiences that get delivered to healthcare uh, and, and patients, but oftentimes the, the connection to those patients is, tell me how you feel before, tell me how you feel after. And, and Marcy's hypothesis, along with others in her network and the physician community, were, can we grab physiological measures to, to see empirically whether or wow. not things like heart rate and, and other elements are, are impacted as the uh, virtual reality experience is happening for those that are experiencing pain. We, we applied this originally to hospice care patients. Um, and the reason why I say the journey is still ongoing is then the pandem- pandemic happened. And these are some of the most vulnerable uh, individuals right. that uh, would potentially be impacted by COVID. So while we were um, working with a you know, a hospice care facility to drive out some of this experimentation and understand if the virtual reality was having an impact, the patients really couldn't be engaged with, especially with, you know, a physical product that might introduce germs and other things. So as any innovation journey needs, um, we we considered pivoting and, and we're in the midst of understanding and trying to drive that to a cohort of frontline hospital workers and others through the pandemic that could benefit from distraction therapy to hopefully lower their heart rate, lower their respiration, and and relax as they're serving the community, even if it's for a, a short break, um, so that they can reset, they can get their mind, you know, give their mind a break right. from the rigors of what they're experiencing. So, you know, the 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 reason why I call it a success is we're not standing still, and, and the passionate mm-hmm. delivery agents of Marcy, Aaron, and formerly Carmen, Chris Martinez, several others, right. we're, we're continuing to engage to apply this to to a market that, that needed this uh, solution uh, brought to it. Cool. That's, that's a, a really interesting solution or innovation there. So what did the Innovation Lab do? You know, if Marcy came to you, what what were you able to help her do that she couldn't do on her own? We operate in a virtual, and I, I know I was talking about virtual reality, but we operate in a virtual environment mm-hmm. where you and I are talking, and we've done this, you know, before there were video conferences, we've done this for 20 <laughs> plus years where I pick up the phone and connect with you as an expert, and mm-hmm. we facilitate those connection points. The individuals that I mentioned, I just rattled off, are in various locations around the country, driving that collaboration effectively and, uh, for lack of a better term, efficiently. Is, is really what the lab can provide the ecosystem and the channels to do. We, we've built it in Microsoft Teams, and I know there's a lot of dialogue and angst around getting back to the office and what's missing from you know the uh, eureka moments uh, happening right. by the water cooler. But you know that's another thing that you and I probably will talk about where uh, it's a challenge to be solved. Uh, you, you cannot replicate the in-person experience, mm-hmm. and that's not ever the goal of what right. we do from a virtual innovation perspective. We're not saying that in-person meetings are not needed ever, uh, and and the human connection that is um, is experienced when you and I shake hands or slap each other on the back or mm-hmm. or share a yeah. meal is is not something that can be replaced. But that doesn't mean that we need to freeze and do nothing. So we've kind of embraced that challenge, and and we did it before the pandemic, but we're continuing to think about 
how can we establish appropriate channels so that progress can be made against these these lofty objectives? Even if you know someone's in Cleveland, someone's in Chicago, and I'm sitting here uh, outside of Boston, um, how do we facilitate those those uh, engagements with the framework that many that are in the innovation community are very familiar with? You know, good design principles, lean startup mentality, the you know, proof of value is is mm -hmm. one of the things. How do we drive to proof of value in a uh, minimum valuable product, if you will? Um, so all of those concepts. Minimum valuable or minimum viable? <laughs> I know it's viable. I, I I actually just did that one off the cuff. I I really try to ensure that I always say proof of value versus proof of concept. I know POC I like is that. more regularly used from a centric perspective. Proof of value is you know what we drive towards because. Again, the definition of innovation is that it is something new that is impacting a target audience and is being utilized. You know, an innovation sitting on the shelf doesn't really do anybody any good. So that those are the concepts. They are they are important in in experimenting, but driving to proof of value is something that uh, again we believe in as well. Cool. So what I'm hearing is if I had a if I had an idea, I thought, oh, this this is the greatest thing ever. You know, can't believe no one else has done this. I, I come to you and I say, Brian, here's my idea. So what I'm hearing is you'd help me sharpen that, maybe into a clearer mission, a clearer objective, figure out how would we test it? How would we prove that value? You'd help with that. And maybe even get me in touch with other people who can help put the ribbon on it, add the frosting, find the right connections, maybe to help make a, make a pilot of it work. You'd help with all those things, right? That's what we feel is is really our our role and and hopefully the power of centric again across all of our different uh, operating groups. The fact that the healthcare team had had an objective to serve patients but needed connection from technology, we have that in-house which a lot of other firms don't have. You know, that uh, healthcare team can have a conversation and one of the other potential uses that we discussed related adjacent to one of their our sister offerings, which is the insurance vertical and uh, serving a community of those that are out on workers' compensation with a major injury that requires pain. And we were talking mm -hmm. about, does that get applied there? So short answer to your question is yes. If, <laughs> if we do it right, hopefully that's what we're delivering. One other key thing that I think is critically important and we've learned this when you invite collaboration, you also invite opinions, and sometimes those opinions aren't welcome. <laughs> the, the, the other main right. thing that we try to keep front of mind is we don't want to slow anybody down. So right. if, if you have this wonderful idea and you have a connection to a technologist in Seattle and you have a connection to uh, someone that has marketplace experience in our Miami office, we'll get out of the way. And we'll right. just say, you know, try to try to make that visible for others to learn from. But if you don't have those connections, we want to make sure we forge those so that individuals can drive as fast as they can. And as a passionate idea owner, they are the ones that really we we answer to, so to speak. Got it. Yeah, I was I was just thinking of a question on the order of somebody might look at what the Innovation Lab does and and infer that it's playing a sort of a gatekeeper role on ideas. And what you just said is, you know, by no means you're you're not a gatekeeper. You're not you're not filtering it and and saying we're only going to help the Help the worthy, you know. <laughs> you know, you both encourage the the independence, but also are, are just trying to provide, you know, support when that's when that's asked for. Yeah, our innovation advisory team internally, when we focus internally versus externally, it even goes so far as to say that our innovation coach's role is to help the idea owner and the team, if there is a team that has already come together, get to their most natural outcome. So again you might have so much more drive than I do, and we both might be sitting shoulder to shoulder with ideas. 
your most natural outcome might be five pivots, you know, through some uh, minimum <laughs> valuable products and, and some <laughs> proof of value while I'm still sitting at the starting gate of doing market research. So, you know, one phrase that I loved hearing and it wasn't applied to innovation, but the coach can't work harder than the team, you know? And, <laughs> and so, so again, while we honor the team or the right. innovation owner, the coach can't guide them to get through the funnel. They can, mm -hmm. you know, again, provide guidance to get them to their next logical step. Now, again, one other element is we are a business as, as you know, right. many, many are, and there will be the lens of, does this hit our customers? Does this hit the marketplace? And really the way that that gets invoked most is the potential for funding. So if there's a funding decision to be made, evidence, uh, of, you know, some of the traditional elements like addressable market, or how does this connect to our mm -hmm. strategic imperatives, our lenses that are looked at, but we don't turn ideas away because they don't have them. You know, we will we will specifically say if you look are looking to funding, if that's one of your objectives and one of your natural outcomes, then you're going to have to dress it with some of those elements that are you know pretty familiar to everybody. If you're still exploring or or you believe in this and you're not looking for funding and you want to tinker with it, how do we connect you know you to the ecosystem that can allow you to explore this idea? Ideas can come from anyone and anywhere, and and we don't want to get mm -hmm. in the way of that. Cool, cool. So. You know, I want to pivot here a little. And in, in our emails prepping for this, you you talked about the idea of a virtual water cooler. You know, unsurprisingly, uh, I'm not alone. And and we one of the uh, one of the things that we've learned is that some of these epiphanies happen across the globe simultaneously. Usually, if it's a good idea, somebody else will think of it, um, which is is true. There are some products out there that, again, try to replicate the notion of what happens at a water cooler remotely. But at, at its highest level, a virtual water cooler is to try to allow for that serendipity that you and I run into each other in the cafeteria at the office mm -hmm. that we're working at. And we start talking pleasantries and then I might ask you a question around, uh, you know, hey, did you ever solve that reporting challenge that you had? Uh, no, I, I still haven't, it's still bothering me and the client needs this answer. You know, have you thought of trying to connect this this thing to that thing. And, you know, that's where we understand that the, some of these uh, these great ideas are born from. So the notion of a virtual water cooler from, from our perspective is to ensure that in the, the rush and the back-to-back -back nature that we've fallen into with our Zoom meetings, you allow time for connection on a human level. So again, mm -hmm. we've got these channels of Teams or Zoom or Slack, so on and so forth. But what is not automatically built in there are some some things that say, if I were to have a, a block of a couple hours and I were to flip a switch on one of those uh, technologies that says, I'm available. If uh, others were, uh -huh. were to flip that switch to say, I'm available, maybe, you know, what would happen is John and Brian would be connected based on that technology and say, hey, John, what's up, man? You know, how's it going for you? It's got to be managed and it feels maybe a little overwrought in that way. But at the same time, given the distance, given the barriers that we have, you, you've got to think and connect sort of the elements of process to the technology right. in an effective way that that for, it sounds crazy because it's managed, but allows it to be as organic as possible. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I worked on a client uh, on a project many, many years ago. I think the client was trying to do something like that. It was a national pharmaceutical and retailer, and it was around innovation. They had a couple of classic examples they always used, and they said, well, we want, if somebody in one of our stores has some great idea of how to sell a certain product, they can go out and they can sort of pose and say, hey, I've got this great idea, and this could be shared. So we ran into a couple of things that I think eventually they piloted a tool, a tool, Yammer. I think Yammer is still out there. But I think one of the fundamental things about it is that it was sort of asynchronous. It was just another thing to post and you'd have to go back and, and log through things. I think there's definitely a different dynamic. You know, you sort of say, hey, I'm here, you know, and and you allow for, you say, that serendipity or just that, you know, even just those pleasantries and and. Nine times out of 10, you won't get anything more than, hey, you know, how the socks do this weekend. But other times you'll get those connections of, hey, I know a guy. And, you know, that might be all that uh, all that it takes to really get an idea going. Well, and, and the thing that I think we take for granted is um, when we have proximity uh, happening you know, in a positive way, you know, drive everybody back to the office. You potentially are not recording or capturing the fact that that even thousands of people might be sitting in the same office and you get five or six ideas from that. The other element of the virtual water cooler is it would obviously rely on an opt-in culture, but right. in most cases, you will not get serendipity. I mean, that doesn't happen. <laughs> right. So so if you're looking at it over a period of time, it requires commitment and a little bit of a behavioral change that's critically important. And you know, I would lean on our people and change experts at Centric. And again, this is where we can go a little bit to more depth. You know, if somebody tried it for a week and then said, ah, nothing came of this. Right. That is A, true, but B, <laughs> are your expectations aligned? Because, what you know, right. when you go to the office, you don't say, I am going to have a an epiphany moment by bumping into somebody at the cafeteria today. Like, right. that's not how it works. So so to harness yeah. that and, and allow for that opt-in culture, I think it, it, that's the big problem that people maybe aren't really, you know, connecting their expectations to the reality. Right. I did flip that around also. It's not just you can't be you can't expect too much and expect that every conversation is going to uh, include, you know, brilliance and unrevealed truths. But at the same time, you go the other way around and realize that even a relatively, I don't want to say mundane, but just sort of, you know, in passing conversation might have something that is really meaningful. In fact, you know, I just saw a little story that this podcast series actually started that way. I was at my client. I was talking to a colleague of, of mine and I forget what it was, why we got onto this, but we were talking about balanced scorecards. Right. And so we were bouncing different ideas back and forth for 15 minutes about balanced scorecards. And at the end, gosh, I, I wish 30 other people could have listened to us because we were brilliant. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know if we were brilliant, but certainly it was two very experienced people who had a lot of good ideas. A lot of people could have learned from that or even then jumped in with their own ideas. And that led to saying, well, why don't I do something like this? I did it first in Chicago and have expanded it. You know, now it's become this podcast, you know, within Centric. And it all came from realizing, hey, you know, we we might have just said something that other people might have been interested in, right? And you sometimes have to have that confidence that you might be saying something that somebody else wants to hear. I mean, I know it's a flip side of the ego that, you know, everything you say is somebody else wants to hear, but it's <laughs> sometimes some people do want to hear it, right? And so that was that was some exactly that sort of example. It was, you know, we were having a chat. There wasn't any intention that we were, you know, revolutionizing the world or coming up with some brilliant ideas. But went, wait a minute, other people might be interested in that. So well, yeah, and and I think you know, again, uh, you, you can either subscribe to the notion that we've got to get back to the office, or you can say, well, how do we get started? And like I said at the top of this conversation, 
how how do I get started? How, you know, and and what do I need? What needs to be in place for me to get started? Obviously, I don't want to go too far into human motivation and and some of these other sort of in, internal sort of drivers, but it's it's cliche to say it, but we're only limited by the bounds of our own restrictions or what 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 impositions we put on ourselves. Certainly, working from home is a different environment that we all need to really embrace or make work. And and there are certainly mental implications and it's not a fantasy to say zoom fatigue exists and you know elements of how do you find time to for self-care that's all critically important but you know really you know what where my energy is is how do you push on that and how do you say people were lamenting the days the that an innovation mm-hmm. happened and, and the world changed change is going to come at us so how do we embrace the change and 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 drive a pathway through it that that allows for a new normal as it relates right. to some of these interactions Yep. So we're well over a year into, uh, you know, sort of pandemic lockdown where we haven't been out of client sites. Now you've been doing, you've been doing client work all this time, right? Yes, I have. All right. So your current client, any, any word on going back to the, back to the office? The latest that I hear is, uh, I think, and I don't know this officially, but it's a call out to go approximately September. And what I feel like I've been seeing uh, is alignment to say that, you know, for such a long time where we didn't expect it to be this long, let's not heap on potential family care and child care issues to individuals right. in the middle of the summer. I know different companies have different objectives see, yeah. and things driving, but that's what I've heard and seen at my particular client. I, I haven't gotten a read into the scorecard or what, what's important, <laughs> but I've heard September. Right. September. All right. So let's say you're back in September. What are you going to do differently? What have you learned from the last year and a half about how you work with people that you'll do differently when you get back in September? That's a great question. I'm not sure that I have a, an answer. I guess what comes to mind is I think I'm going to be a little bit more present uh, on the usage of my time that I maybe took for granted. You know, you can't look at it in just A-B decisions where I didn't have to commute before and now I'm commuting again. And that's mm-hmm. bad. It's the the commute time that maybe I mm-hmm. took for granted and was used to as part of everyday routine. Well, was I getting value from that? And and again, mm-hmm. value might be disconnecting, right? right. And decompressing. Right. I'm not suggesting yep. that value drives to efficiency or some of the traditional like GDP economic measures. Am I am I <laughs> focusing on output? But you know, for me, am, am I am I experiencing some value from that? So I think I'll be a little bit more in tune with where or attuned to where and how my time is being spent. If I if I were to guess, you know, hopefully I will be. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Hey, we're we're nearly out of time here. I think we're going to have to wrap up. But do you have any questions for me? Anything you want, you know, you want to ask me the same question, ask me a different question, uh, you know. Well, you mentioned the podcast and you're still doing it. So, yeah. I mean, how's your experience been? How's it going? Well, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing these. And the number one reason is that, you know, most of these have been done with with, you know, colleagues here in Centric. And it always it always just blows my mind how articulate and able to speak off the cuff, you know, our people are, right? Where I'll ask someone a question, like some of the questions I've been asking you, and I'll get these answers that are complete, well thought out, not rambling. And, you know, they they could have been prepared from notes. And I know most of our people are not preparing from notes, and you can tell when they are. It's just always a pleasure to have these conversations because I learned something from every single one of them. What's the one other follow-up? I know we're almost out of time, but... uh... What type of feedback do you get? 
you know, have you have you unlocked the feedback loop? Because I I find that super valuable, and in a different way, as a content right. provider, feedback is is very valuable in my view. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, generally the feedback I've gotten has been all in the positive but superficial level. You know, I'm not sure I've gotten any specific constructive criticism, which might have been really helpful. I probably criticize myself the most. I edit these also, and what I edit out most more than anything else is things I have said, right? <laughs> or I realized that I spent three minutes saying something and like, that didn't really add anything. People won't miss my three minutes, right? I probably do that more. I, you know, one thing that is though a challenge is, you know, we've been doing this, uh, we do it for a variety of reasons for Centric and trying to figure out if anyone is listening is actually one of our biggest problems. You, get, you talk about some of the things from innovation, you know, and, and uh, you know, client responsiveness, market need, whatever. And we would love for there to be a really clear way to say, hey, this is this is something that is engaged people and uh, and gotten responses. But, you know, honestly, it turns out as much as you hear in the world about, you know, people getting likes or tweets or going viral, a lot of the data is actually so confused and cloudy. For instance, if I send you a link to this, you know, and you might click on it, well, you've gone to it. <clears throat> it doesn't mean you listen to any of it, right? If you subscribe to something, it may not necessarily show up in other metrics, right? And it's a real challenge. You know, I think we did this with uh, Dave Roosevelt, you know, president of Centric, and, and Dave said, and Dave was, you know, great sport, loves doing these, but he started off with, does anyone listen to these? <laughs> You're like, thanks, Dave. <laughs> well, here, here's, a, here's a challenge for the audience. If you've made it this far, put a comment in to whatever vehicle that you're uh, subscribing to to hear this uh, podcast so that we can understand something and and make the comment uh, more than just a thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Moran. Thanks. I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the plug there. This has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks, Brian Zador, for joining me today, and thank you for listening.